0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Nail no Huddle Show. It feels great to be back off our Thanksgiving hiatus. How how we doing, Sam?
0: Oh man, we're uh just running and gunning, man. Uh what can I tell you? I glad uh I'm glad to actually be back uh back on the show. I feel like it's been forever since we've uh had the show, but uh, you know, today's as good as the day to get it back on track, right?
1: Yeah. Uh so it was not it was not a good holiday, man,
0: for us. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't.
1: Uh so um Sam uh unfortunately couldn't come into town because of some poor weather in Michigan and sick sick kids and uh I was not uh in any shape to see anybody with a massive kidney stone that I had to get uh taken out. The tuesday before thanksgiving uh that was yeah months. well
0: i wasn't really the kids because the kids were okay it was act. it's actually my wisdom tooth dude which i'm, oh. getting, pulled com- which I'm getting pulled tomorrow Wait,
1: uh, i thought that was supposed to happen. no time. it
0: didn't happen dude my dentist pushed it oh, back and uh, whatever. uh let's not get into that <laughs> okay so
1: so yeah so i just want to talk real quick um We went to – I'm not going to name the place, uh, but we went to the same ER twice. I went the Friday before Thanksgiving, and I went again on the Monday before Thanksgiving. And neither time that they failed to admit me, uh, even though on the CT scan on Friday – a, a blockage and hydronephrosis in my uh, right kidney which hydronephrosis guys is when you start to have fluid back up around your kidney which is no bueno um, so luckily you know shreya pushed after the Monday, when I was having bad chills, she pushed and pushed to get me admitted to a urologist Tuesday who was like, "Yeah, we need to get this stone taken out we gotta we gotta go in and then blast it out because he's like you're not you're not passing this thing naturally. He's like it's not gonna happen, it's too big um, so that all happened, but um something about me. Uh, for the people who are listening right now, is uh, 11, 12 years ago, uh, I had a, I had a, an addiction to OxyContin. Um, I'd gotten hooked on it because my doctor had prescribed it for pain that I was having when I was initially diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. So I, I had a problem with uh, OxyContin. So I, I don't take painkillers anymore, and I haven't taken a, a painkiller in 12 years. Um, but I don't like – it's not something I like to talk about when I go to the hospital. Um, and I find myself having to tell doctors usually that, hey, I can't have narcotics because I used to have a problem. And it's it's something that I told Shreya the other day when
0: I, when I had to
1: admit to it again on Friday, that is there a better way – for me to say, you know, without without saying that I had a uh, that I had a previous problem with opioids,
0: uh, with uh, OxyContin, uh Is there a better way to say it? You know what I would say? What's that? And it, and it and my I'm sorry to cut you off and say this, but like I would, and this is like ha, this happens to me. Like I have I actually have an allergic reaction to opioids. So like I have a very adverse reaction. I'm I'm allergic to narcotics, really. So I would say I'm I'm allergic to narcotics, dude. I can't take any narcotics. That's a
1: step to go. Shreya had said to to point out to the doctors, if you don't want to go into it, is to just say that you don't handle them well. You get real nauseous off narcotics, right? So I went went that route on Tuesday. Uh I went that route on Tuesday. I said, I get real nauseous. And then they said, oh, we'll just give you something for the nausea. So they gave me narcotics anyways. They gave me Dilaudid. Oh,
0: jeez. Yeah, that was for a pain.
1: On Tuesday for the pain. And lo and behold, these doctors, who I also said I don't want narcotics,
0: I said they don't make me feel good. I was like, I don't want them. I, uh-huh. I was
1: basically went right out and saying don't prescribe, called in a prescription for Oxycontin.
0: Great. Great. So,
1: yeah, it leads me to something, you know, it's like
0: are they pushing the narcotics even after you're telling them that you shouldn't be taking narcotics? That's the thing that worries me is that like today's medical professionals, I don't know if they just want to move on to the next case. And, you know, I, I, I get everyone's tired, but I don't know, man, that's just not a good look for the medical professionals that are doing their day-to-day business, you know?
1: No, especially when someone is like
0: actively telling you, oh, correct.
1: I don't want it. Correct. No, I can handle it with tramadol. I'm fine with tramadol. that—that's a, that,
0: a little bit different of a um, narcotic, really. It's not, uh, it, tramadol. But is, I mean, no, I mean, tramadol is a—it's easier to handle, I think. You know, it's general. not a narcotic, though. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's a semi. It can make you feel like a narcotic depending on your personality, though. You know. Um, I mean, yeah,
1: and it, it's—it's just—it's basically like I or ibuprofen times five kind of
0: mean like yeah so but but to a narcotic that relief you know to someone that uses it that relief can be misconstrued as and and i've known people that have used tramadol too that's the reason why i say that um but like it's really not a narcotics you know it's not it's not at all right so i don't know I, i so did you tell them can you can you use that instead
1: yeah well yeah i got tramadol which i don't need anymore now
0: after today the
1: stent was removed everything's good i'm back to normal today But, yeah, I was just, I was just, I never picked up that prescription.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, as you shouldn't, you know, dude. More power to you, number one. And, dude, you're a completely different person than you were 12 years ago, right? So, yeah. um, No, no, you know, I'm definitely, you got a pat on the back for being a trooper about it. But um, the difference is, like, you have self-realization. Not many people have that self-realization, you know. Yeah. Um, So. It's kind of one of those things, man, that I just thought was funny. It's like, um, "Hey, guys, I don't need it. I can't take it. It's okay. Here, just take a little bit, honey. Don't worry about it."
1: But you know, but the funny thing is, if I'd come out and said, "Listen, I used to be addicted to this stuff," they wouldn't have they wouldn't have prescribed it. Correct. If, but then you have to have that conversation, which you know I don't know about the people listening,
0: but uh,
1: it's not exactly the. Most fun conversation to have. Oh, it's not. It's definitely not.
0: No, no, for sure. I can definitely agree with you on that.
1: Yeah. Um, Not something that you want to talk about, you know. On a a regular
0: basis. So. Correct. 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 (laughs) Which is why. Which is why when you walked in, they should just handed you a doobie, man. Yeah. (laughs) That's literally what they should have done. They should have handed you a joint, been like, "Listen, just puff away at this for a little bit. You're gonna get hungry. You're gonna get sleepy." And then we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> now that I would have been willing to do. That I would have been okay with. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so okay. the funny thing, Mike, is that um, I had the same issue about uh, six, seven years ago. I passed five kidney stones. And I, they, couldn't, they didn't admit me like they were supposed to, right? And then it, I, I started passing them while I was waiting to, for them to find me a room. In the in the waiting room in the bathroom, and I was like, "Give me a towel so I could put on the towel." Passed it, and then after I passed the stones, um, they asked me for a blood. Uh, asked me for a blood sample. They asked me for a urine sample, and they're like, "There's too much blood in the urine." Like I had a hematuria. It literally yeah. tore my, tore my urethra and, and destroyed it on its way out. Multiple stones. So.
1: So You know. You know. Honestly. Uh, the pain from them going in and blasting the the um, the stones yeah. wouldn't have been bad. I would have been fine in a day or two if they didn't have to put that stent in. The yeah. stent first part of it because I constantly felt like I had to, like I had to pee. Yeah, and like when I would move around, like in it bed, would move with you. Yeah, I know. Move with me or follow like sat down, you know, like it just yeah. wasn't comfortable. But as soon as that was out, it, you know it. It, everything was all good. But, man, I'll tell you, no more kidney stones for us, man. No, no more. way. No yeah. way,
0: no, no more.
1: <laughs> uh, Lots sorry. to
0: talk about, man. Lots to talk about. Can I just Lots start to- off this show since it's been a little – it's been a while? I just literally got um, – I got I got basically burned by the, my entire league, my standard league, because last week before the trade deadline, I traded Jalen Waddell and I traded – uh, George Kittle for Josh Jacobs and D.J. Moore. I know in, in, it looks like a ripoff, probably smells like a ripoff too, but, dude, in our league, we don't have vetoes on trades. So the guy made the trade, and they're like, oh, you traded with a team that has six losses or whatever. I'm like, so who cares? Who cares? He He consciously made the effort to say yes, and, you know what, I, this week, so I, the guy that I beat this week is, like, dying to make the playoffs. I got eight wins now with four losses. He's sitting at 5-7, and seven, and he's got to win out if he's got a chance to sneak in at 7-7 seven seven in our 12th and yeah. lead. based on the rest of the team. <clears throat> now, everyone's making me out to be this villain that, kind of, that took Josh Jacobs 17 points, you know, and won... This matchup, which, by the way, was one on Green Bay defense. Last minute, I threw in Green Bay defense, and I took out San Francisco defense, which pay, played out in spades, you know, paid out to me in spades. But nonetheless, uh, they're, like, basically destroying me, telling me that, you know, if I make if I make it deep into the playoffs, it's because of this Josh Jacobs trade. And I'm like, you know what? You guys are just jealous because none of you guys pulled a blockbuster, you know? I don't know what to tell you.
1: That's how I feel about some of the guys in my league, although nobody had an issue with it. I also made a trade. I made a trade with a team that's 2-7. and seven. <laughs> um, You know, but there was still, because the sixth and final spot
0: was currently yeah. be held by a team that was 5-7. and seven, Still a shot. There was a shot at that time, maybe. If they uh, won out.
1: I'm sorry. What, did I say two and seven? He was two and eight, and the other guy was like four and six. So something like that. Yeah, four and six. I'm sorry. Four and
0: six could have been in contention.
1: Four and six was in the sixth. Was in the sixth and final spot. Okay? Right. And the guy that I made the trade with was sitting at two and two and uh, or yeah, two and eight. But <laughs> there was still there's still an outside chance that he could have made the
0: playoffs if he had won out and finished yeah, sixth. Yep. Yeah, okay. So the guy, the guy I traded with, same deal. There was a chance yeah. that if he went out, he would have made six spot too. Same deal.
1: Yeah, he wouldn't need a. In both cases, they both would have needed a lot of
0: help in front of them, but there was still a shot. Yeah. So,
1: uh, the hell with it. He made two blockbuster trades. One with me. One with another guy in my league. He dealt Jamar Chase and Zach Moss, and in return he got Ezekiel Elliott and Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. Okay. The, the Calvin Ridley and Zach Moss looks like a wash because, yep. you know. So it was basically a Zeke for Jamar Chase trade, right? Right. And the other the other trade he made was he dealt me Najee Harris
0: for Mike Williams and and Michael Carter. Okay. Yeah. So listen, man, you, it's like you 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 also kind of robbed the bank and then waved at the at the you know CCTV camera on the on the corner. Kind of, but like, Najee. Hey, ma, look at me.
1: Najee Harris. <laughs> has been outscored by Mike Williams the last so look
0: that's purely con- like you know that's after the fact yeah. the fact that you have a guy that's going to get 20 plus touches with the opportunity to get at least at least a single touch either receiving or rushing i don't know it, it's that upside is just way too much
1: it is but you know i i think uh I, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't even need him at running back.
0: He was – he's my – See, I, I only grabbed – I only grabbed uh, uh, this guy, Josh Jacobs, because CEH was hurt and Aaron Jones was hurt. And my only other running back was Lenny Fournette, who had a monster night, day, by the way. Yeah. So, uh,
1: we got a bunch of uh, fantasy football talk to get to uh, later on the show. Do you want to go do – do you have any more fantasy insights before we uh, circle back to that uh, topic a little bit later on in the show?
0: No, I'm good, man. Let's run through our process.
1: All right. So, uh, the big news right now in the world of
0: sports is
1: centered around college football coaching jobs and openings. And one of the biggest openings, USC, was just filled by Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. Uh, This took a lot of people by surprise, as Lincoln Riley, there was no word there was not even any smoke around Lincoln Riley going to USC. He had been rumored for the LSU job. He had uh, been rumored for Florida, but he decided to pass on both of those, take USC. Um, for Lincoln Riley, I don't know. I think it's a good move that's going to pay dividends down the line. Oklahoma is set to join the big or is set to leave the Big 12 and join the SEC, I believe, in 2025. So that's like three three years from now, okay? That's going to be a tough conference with Alabama and Georgia and Florida and LSU and all these other schools playing in the SEC. I don't think he wanted to stay at Oklahoma
0: and then – And just all- deal with the rest of those guys. for Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Being at Oklahoma and then having Texas go with you and go join the SEC, you're looking at probably two to three losses a year
0: and a very difficult time making college football playoffs
1: and also recruiting-wise,
0: right? You so have, now you have USC sitting in the Pac-12, is it? Or where do did, where did they play? You
1: have USC sitting in the Pac-12 with not much competition. Pac-12 has been down. You have Oregon. You have UCLA, but none of those really hold a candle to when USC is going strong. USC is right. a blue program. USC has a giant natural recruiting base. California is the number two state in all of college football and recruiting just behind Florida. USC can literally get whatever players they want out of California and then just sprinkle in a few
0: guys out of Oregon. Yeah, so that's, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. They're able to then grab homegrown talent very easily.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of homegrown talent. Also, did you know the top five quarterbacks by rating in college football this year are all from are all from California? Wow. They might wow. play
0: at different schools, but they are all from California. They could have been playing for California teams. One of those guys could have been playing for USC. Is exactly, what but since USC has been down a little bit under Clay
1: Helton. So now
0: Lincoln Riley gets to
1: go to USC. He has a very easy recruiting time. He doesn't have a tough schedule playing out there in the Pac-12. Once he gets USC built up, it might take a year or two. But then by the time they're built up, I I, I fully expect USC next year to win nine or ten games. But I think it'll be maybe a year or two before he has them playing for a national title. But once they get to that level, it's over. It's a wrap for the rest of the Pac-12. Bye, Oregon. The nice, we'll see you in the Emerald City Bowl. By Washington. by UCLA. USC. They're
0: going to run that as long as he's there, pretty
1: much. Yeah. They will thrive without much natural competition. Um, and he doesn't have to go to the SEC now and, and recruit against
0: Georgia and Alabama and Texas. Which fans. are killer, killer programs. And you know what? Their base of players is all picking up from Florida, all exactly. which is,
1: from know, Florida. Everyone,
0: all those teams are picking from the same pot of players. They really. are
1: exactly, exactly. And California is big, but man, I, I feel like USC could probably get. If you have the t- I bet you, no one's gonna go perfect in California. But let's say, let's say top twenty-five players in California, USC will sign at least twelve, right? then they'll get a few more kids from California that's you know 15 16 you sign 25 kids a year then you're just going into Georgia or you're going into Texas or you're going See, into and California. you can
0: also get transfers you can hit the transfers too See, right
1: portal but you can just kind of pick and pop kids from other states so i know a lot of oklahoma fans I think riley has
0: his own like calling too just like some of these other coaches like they i think there's a lot of players that would like to also play for him you know, once he goes to USC, so I think I think it's possible even for him to pick out from the transfer portal if he needs a position to fill badly. He yeah. Can, he he has the advantage of of where he sits, and then you know the you know his reputation, all that stuff.
1: And you've seen the, here. The biggest thing for me is look at the quarterbacks he produced at Oklahoma: Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. Solid, solid quarterbacks. Solid yeah. quarterbacks. So. He 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 did wonders, and now this year Spencer Rattler was struggling a little bit. They brought in Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams looks like a world beater. So man, I I gotta say, I think it's a good move for Lincoln Riley, but uh, it's tough for Oklahoma now. Um,
0: See, uh, you know what? The only thing I want to say is that if he fails by any means, right at USC, yeah, I feel like he's gonna have a tough chance anywhere else.
1: Probably, probably. And here's the other thing that
0: people are saying.
1: He was put into a perfect position at Oklahoma because he took over for Bob Stoops. The
0: culture was already set at Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that culture has been, like, it's a good program. It's been a good good program forever, forever, right? So,
1: So the culture's already set. Now he has to go to USC, which it's not like they're completely in the tank,
0: no, but, but they're on a reset, right? Based of, yeah. off of everything that that's been going on the last ten years with Reggie Bush and all the other scandals, and you Which know, I, it,
1: I wouldn't even say any of that has anything to do, really, because they just, um, you, you because that didn't have that big of an effect. That that was a while ago, but just like the uncertainty under Clay Helton, and they just haven't been like last year. Was surprising in the COVID year. They were five and one, and their one loss came in the Pac-12 championship game. But then you look at this year, 2021. They they're sitting at four and seven this year. Four and seven, which is awful
0: for USC, right? And yeah, considering it's a weak weak you know uh, playing ground, right, with the rest of the teams that are playing in Pac-12.
1: A very weak conference. They got trounced by UCLA, sixty-two to thirty-three. They lost to Arizona State. They lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Utah. So if you look at USC's schedule next year, it's—I'm telling you—it's going to set up uh, for Lincoln Riley to have some fairly immediate success. And I don't think it's going to be the like national title success or even college football playoff success. But in 2022. Their non-conference schedule is Rice and Fresno State, and then they got to play Notre Dame. Okay, so Notre Dame's tough. They're at Arizona. They're at Oregon State. They're at Stanford. They're at UCLA. They're at Utah. But they get Washington State, Colorado, Cal, and Arizona State all at home. Um, they don't play Washington. They don't play Oregon in the regular season. So – you're looking at, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine conference games where I, you know, maybe they lose at Utah. That's a tough game. But Stanford's been down. I, I could see this team easily going 10-2 and two next year and only losing to, like, Washington or only losing Notre to Dame. And Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they're going to turn around things pretty quick there. But now, here comes the interesting news. Because once one domino falls, it opens up new coaching positions. So, now Oklahoma. So, now who's going for Oklahoma? So, now we're hearing Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator for Clemson, is a leading candidate. Brent Venables was a coach at Oklahoma under Bob Stoops for many years. But then. Is he like a fan favorite? I don't know if he's a fan favorite. I'm not even sure if he's going to get the job done there because he's been a coordinator for so long. He's never been the head guy. He's been at, he was at Oklahoma for about six years and he's been at Clemson for, I feel like 10 years. So here's the big one. Brian Kelly is rumored to be the top candidate to go to LSU. Brian Kelly is at Notre Dame now. So Notre Dame comes open. That leaves yet another huge Football institution that would come open. So right now, before the before the hire started, you had USC, you had Florida, and you had LSU all open on the market, and not to mention some other small jobs like Texas Tech, TCU, uh, and others. Now and now and you also throw Virginia Tech into that mix, but now. USC has taken someone. So now you have Oklahoma, another blue blood that's open. If Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame, you have another blue blood that's open. Florida's filled their spot with Billy Napier, the head coach out of Louisiana Lafayette. So you have a ton of big-time programs that are now going to come open this year. So just craziness. And I don't know how I feel about Brian Kelly – going to LSU. I don't think, personally, I don't think it's a good fit. Brian Kelly's a Midwest guy. He's coached in Michigan at Central Michigan. He's coached at UC. He's coached at Notre Dame. He's a Midwest. He doesn't strike me as someone being able to go down South. And, you know, he can he recruits well. Notre Dame has tough academic standards to get by, so you know it's tough to get these number one and number two classes. But he's had Notre Dame in the top ten pretty much year in and year out. So I think he could recruit to LSU, especially without all the the academic standards that Notre Dame has. But man, that's you just want to talk about a grind. You you want to say Notre Dame has a tough schedule year in and year out? Or imagine going to LSU and now you got to right. play,
0: play, play SEC. You got to play. You have to play a bunch of I don't know NFL ready teams sometimes. Some of these SE teams are NFL almost almost NFL ready. You know, I mean, good uh, lord,
1: Alabama last year their receiving core they're starting with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. and and not to mention just the year before that they had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy,
0: Devontae Smith,
1: and uh, oh, that's
0: Jaylen. a that's a that's a wide receiver making machine, I think. Yeah. Alabama has always been in the mix, always. And Clemson's been good too, and they've you know again, Clemson is an SEC team, right? No, Clemson's in the ACC. Oh, ACC. I'm sorry, I take that back. Close enough. So yeah, no, one more thing I was going to say that you you yeah. you go from you know for Brian Kelly you go from a very structured, um, well running environment with Notre Dame, and then you have to deal with Mister Ed. You know, and his, and his shenanigans, he's been running for the last couple of years.
1: I know. Well, yeah, Ed Orgeron, Barney Flintstone, or Fred Flintstone, sorry. Like, can't – just I don't know. I was never a big Ed Orgeron guy. To me, his national title at LSU felt a lot like Gene Chizik when Gene Chizik won the national title at Auburn. Uh, mediocre records until they caught lightning in a bottle. Gene Chizik got Cam Newton, won a national title, was fired two years later at uh, Orgeron. Had Joe Burrow, uh, won a national title, fired two years later. So, I don't know. I, Ed O will probably get another job somewhere down the line, but uh, we probably won't see him for a year or so. He'll probably take a little bit of time out from coaching. So, But, uh, um, but yeah, so far that is the biggest update that we have. Uh, we'll see if there's any more breaking news. Uh so far nothing's been uh, official for Brian Kelly to LSU yet. Um, and a lot of times, you know what happens is these
0: coaches float
1: stuff out there, and they
0: re- oh re- they just just to get a feel, just to get a feel for it, or they rework
1: what... their deals just to get some leverage.
0: So, so yeah, um.
1: So uh, over the weekend, man, we had the game. It was rivalry week. It was a
0: great weekend. Oh wait, wait, wait! I had one more comment. With all this head coaching moving around, how does that make you feel that Scott Frost is there for another year for Nebraska?
1: Honestly. Uh, all right. So, truth be told, but what I am thrilled about that Trevor Alberts did is that he worked his contract. They reduced his payout by about $12 million. So, basically, what just said was, listen, we're not going to pay him $20 million to go away after this year. We don't have it in the budget with COVID, with the losses we took from COVID. So, what can you do? And so the decision was made. We're going to retain Frost, but we're going to make him change assistance. We're going to make him get a new offensive coordinator, yada, yada, yada. And we're going to rework his deal. So next year, if Frost doesn't win, I'm going to – I'll venture to say seven or eight games next year. If he doesn't hit that mark, he's probably fired. And you know what? It might be for the better because you're seeing right now all these top jobs open. You have USC. You had you have Oklahoma now. You have Florida and LSU. The the pickings for the top coach would be slim, and you would be babbling some schools that are a lot easier to recruit to for uh, for good coaches. And you might end up taking your eighth option. So you know, in the end, I think it works out. And hopefully, Frost gets it turned around. I don't have faith in that, but you know, we'll see. We I don't know who his new coaches are going to be yet. There's been no announcements there, no announcement on offensive coordinator for Nebraska. He makes some really good hires. Who knows? Nebraska lost nine games this year
0: by an average of six points. See, that's really heartbreaking, bro. That means you guys were just there pretty much the entire way, but you guys just kind of gave up the cookies in the end.
1: And here's another fun fact for you.
0: This is crazy.
1: Nebraska went into the Iowa game. Iowa's ranked uh, number 15 in the country. Iowa Iowa was nine and two going into the game. Nebraska was three and eight. Nebraska was favored in that game. It's never happened before. Yeah, I mean,
0: uh, you 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 were obviously going based on, you know, the 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 sample size of the 11 games that Nebraska team had played, right? And you yeah. could see. That there, there could be an upset brewing. Like you said, themselves, Vegas probably saw. Look, these guys have lost by six points or less in the last, in nine games. They probably saw that there's a possibility of an upset going in,
1: right? Yeah, and but once again, Nebraska the Blue, they had a
0: 21 to six lead in the third quarter. I can't believe that, man. I just cannot fuck. I'm sorry, I can't. I cannot believe that 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 you guys are just.
1: Why? Why are you guys fun.
0: so poorly built, man?
1: Dude, and then we lost 28-21 and yet another one possession loss. And they were saying on the Dan Levitard show today, is Nebraska the greatest three and nine team in the history of college football? Like, <laughs> are they the one? Are they the one three and nine team you don't want to see? Like if, if they made the college. If
0: there was a college football playoff, like there was like March Madness, no one would want to see Nebraska. Dude.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody,
0: not number one, wouldn't. They, they wouldn't want to see Nebraska.
1: Yeah, I mean, you might. You're probably gonna win because Nebraska's gonna find a way to shoot itself in the foot, foot late in the game. But it's, they're gonna make you sweat
0: the entire sixty. Minutes of the game, correct. And they're gonna they're gonna make you sweat the the pretty much three quarters, and then the fourth quarter they're just gonna give up, give it all up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Michigan, uh, they finally get. Yeah, it. they finally
0: got the W. Man, people were going nuts here in Michigan. Absolutely bananas.
1: First win over Ohio State in ten years. And for Harbaugh, the last six years. For Harbaugh, so, Harbaugh, yeah, for Harbaugh, it's the very first win against Ohio State. Now, here's the funny thing. I remember in the 90s growing up watching college football, I don't really remember the 80s very much because I was little. I was born in 82, right? So by the time the 80s were over, I was only seven years old, right, which is, you know, uh, still pretty little. But that's about around 88, 89 is when I really started following football. But I remember in the 90s, Ohio State couldn't beat Michigan. John Cooper would have some...
0: They couldn't couldn't buy a win in the 90s.
1: (laughs) John Cooper would have some loaded teams with Orlando Pace and Eddie George and Andy Kassenmoyer and, and some loaded teams, and he couldn't beat Michigan. But now, since 2001, 20 years, Michigan has beat Ohio State two times
0: in 20 years. Yeah. Ohio State has literally been running the table with them. Yeah.
1: And... I don't know if this is a changing. I I don't think it is. I think this was a good year for Ohio State to lose to Michigan. Michigan was hungry this year. Ohio State's team was not great. They were a very good team, but you. uh, you, I talked to a lot of Ohio State fans who had some trepidation about this game going into it,
0: especially with the snow. Uh, they're worrying about the cold weather slowing Ohio State's offense. Yeah, I mean they played here, right? They played in Michigan. Yeah, in and
1: first. it was
0: and it was snowing like crazy on Saturday.
1: Yeah, crazy. And um, Ohio State's defense just wasn't very good this year. They haven't been very good all season.
0: So. And these look- Michigan players, like Michigan State, Central Michigan, Michigan uh, U of M, all, these players, they they have adjusted to playing in the snow. Um, they've adjusted to playing in that kind of weather. Whereas Ohio State players, they play in the snow. I'm not saying it doesn't snow in Ohio, but Ohio has some awesome weather. To be honest with you, you guys don't get hit unless you, and and if you do, it's like a kind of a quick turnaround, you know. Um, whereas in Michigan, it might be a little different.
1: The snow doesn't really start to hit Ohio
0: till usually late December, and then January and February. January and February are the biggest months for snow in Ohio, typically. Um, but And by then, the college, the college football season is over, right? So, exactly.
1: Then you're, well, or, or you're playing in bowl games that are indoors or down in Florida
0: or somewhere else. Sure. Or a bad Whereas area. Michigan plays in the snow in October, November. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, we might have some breaking news uh, here. I am getting uh, reports coming in. Uh, let me see. I'm
0: trying to verify if it's Is, a it, is this the Max Scherzer reports?
1: No. Um, okay. I am hearing that Brian Kelly is uh, – is this official? I'm hearing that Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame for LSU.
0: So I guess it wasn't all smoke. Uh, Nothing official
1: has been released,
0: but Twitter
1: is blowing up currently uh, with reactions to Brian Kelly. Uh, And uh, I'm seeing on uh, Bleacher Report, college football world react to LSU hire, and it's got a picture of Brian Kelly. So nothing breaking yet on ESPN or some of the other major sites. So we'll keep an eye on that throughout the show uh but as of right now it is a starting to look like Brian Kelly will be leaving Notre Dame for LSU. Um very big well, good
0: news. luck to, good luck to him man. Yeah. Uh very very big news if true.
1: Uh so let's get uh you mentioned the Max Scherzer uh, deal. Uh, there's actually been a, a couple of major baseball free agents signing. Oh yeah, I
0: was I was watch I was reading up on on what's been happening the last couple of Days, um, week or so, two weeks. You know, it's it's nuts. These baseball players are getting paid
1: millions of dollars. Well, Seager just signed with the Rangers for three
0: hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Uh, again, I'm telling you, like baseball money is like crazy money, dude. Yeah, three twenty-five. You have Scherzer. That's who's on a three-year, hundred and thirty million dollar deal. You got um. A bunch of five-year, one-fifteen. You know, it's, it's people are getting paid, man.
1: Let me ask you: Do the Mets now have the best pitching rotation in baseball? I think
0: I think they do, but I I still feel like if there was any way for them to to hold on to, um, that was Syndergaard. Syndergaard, man, that would have really solidified their their rotation, man. You have then you have you have Jacob, you have Scherzer. And yeah, Syndergaard. Oh man,
1: yeah, that would have been killer,
0: killer, nasty. That's a nasty lineup.
1: They still got. um, I don't really know who
0: the next pitcher.
1: They got Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker, who's you know they're nice middle rotation guys, but that one two punch of Degrom and Scherzer
0: should be good. Should be really good
1: if they can stay healthy. That's yeah, bit, yeah. see,
0: see, Scherzer's thirty-seven, and he's played really well. He played really well, dude. Um, yeah. uh, but you have your doubts, just like I have doubts with like Verlander playing at thirty-eight. You know, um, I have my doubts that they can run the way they used to run. Maybe they they provide a different type of element to the to the you know. Um, See, the thing is, that, yeah, they'll add a different element to the to the starting rotation, but they're no longer that ace that you can depend on, you know, for, uh, for 15 wins if you're looking for it, you know, 20 wins if you're looking for it. They can't do that anymore.
1: You yeah, know, it's, it's funny to me because I forgot. I, I sometimes forget that Max Scherzer was on the Detroit Tigers back in Yes,
0: yes, yes. I was here in Detroit when they had Verlander and Scherzer and they had Miggy. And they, they
1: had kind of came out of nowhere because he had started with the Diamondbacks. He was dealt by the Diamondbacks to the uh, Tigers. And then he had started off uh, Arizona. A,
0: for, he was a, he was, he was a relief pitcher, bro. He was a closer.
1: Yeah. And they traded uh, Arizona traded Scherzer, uh, t- uh, you know, in Kennedy, and Edwin Jackson, and uh, he he was started off in AAA in 2010. Then he got dual. Uh, then he got brought up. But man, he was he was on that really. That was the last time the Tigers were really good was about you know from 2010 to 2014, 15 ish. And then they dealt. Verlander walked, Scherzer went away, and it mm-hmm. just, you know, they
0: haven't been... And wait, he went to the Nationals, yeah, after Tiger?
1: Yeah, he was with the Nationals from, from 2015 to 2021, where they had a hell of a staff with him and, and Stras Strasburg, um, yeah. 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 But, uh, you know...
0: Is Strowman out now? Is Strowman pretty much done as, as a Met? He has to be because I didn't see his name. I think he must have signed elsewhere. Uh,
1: Marco Strowman... Um, I don't know where he's going to Oh, he's uh I don't know where he where he's going to go pitch at. He's only okay. he's only 30 years old. Yeah, he's young. Relatively young, yeah. But apparently that he's the Mariners one of their top targets. So, but he's a free okay. agent, so I don't know if the Mets will try to bring him back. But listen to this, man. The Rangers have now signed Corey Seager and they signed Marcus Simeon earlier.
0: Yeah, I read that.
1: That is big. Big, big news. I mean, Marcus Simeon has been crushing the
0: ball as of late. He hit
1: forty-five home runs this past year in Toronto.
0: Yeah, and he, but he had a, he signed for a seven-year, one hundred seventy-five million-dollar deal,
1: dude. Yeah, and it's all guaranteed. These guys could blow out their. Names. I know,
0: I know, I know, I know. All, I know. Doesn't matter. And he's thirty-one. He's thirty-one. Like, and he's never. He was in the MVP discussion right this year. You know, um, he finished as a runner-up for the MVP in probably the last three seasons, right? Two, three seasons, right? Yeah,
1: he's really come. Along. He kind of
0: started. He started his 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 uh, jump when he played for like the for Oakland, right?
1: Hey, I gotta ask a question, and I hate to be this guy. Yeah, I ask a question though.
0: That's the question.
1: Simeon is thirty years old. Yep. Okay. He has averaged, averaged 14 home runs per season until 2019. 2019, he hit 33 home runs and 92 RBIs while batting 285. He finished third in MVP voting. This past year for Toronto, he hit 45 home runs for <laughs> 160 and 260, batting 265. I'm looking at someone that seems to be a prime candidate
0: for steroids. Oh yeah, actually. <laughs> wow, I've never I've never looked at his career numbers, but you don't see that kind of jump. And if you do, there's a reason behind it, right? So previously,
1: all right, his first ma- his first full season in the bigs. Right where he had at least 200 plate and 200 at bats. Okay, uh, I wouldn't say first full season, but first season where he at least had at least 200 at bats. He played for the White Sox at 23. He hit 234 with six home runs, 28 RBIs. For Oakland as a full time starter the next year, he hit 257 with 15 home runs, 45 RBIs, 300 with 27 home runs. But then after that, he hit 10 and 15 home runs. So the 27 was a bit of an outlier because he had hit 15, 10, and 15 with a 27 sandwiched in there. Then he hits 33, and now 45. And what they said with steroids is steroids doesn't necessarily make you a better ball player. You can't give me st- – like, if you injected me with steroids and I took a performance-enhancing substance, I wouldn't be able to go to the majors and all of a sudden hit – Correct. Two- correct hit 25 home runs and bat 250 it would right. fit right but if you're already in the majors and you're already a good ball player steroid just enhances your numbers a bit
0: right it gives you the so, edge and then, and the same thing goes for like UFC fighters that had that, that testosterone replacement treatment uh, approved by um, the the doping agencies you know uh, you you had a bunch of UFC fighters that they were allowed because if they ha- they were they were dealing with low testosterone, and this is something that was a medical condition, and um, yeah, you, you're right. To, to a regular person, it may just normalize. They don't become a UFC fighter if they get the same treatment. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like uh, for instance, okay. Here's here's a crime. Here's someone we know that was taking steroids, Ken Caminiti. Okay. Yeah. M. Caminiti was always a pretty decent power-hitting first baseman. He usually hit between 18 and 25 home runs in a season. The year he was accused of, of doing steroids was 1996. He finished as MVP that year. Okay? Now, prior to 1996, he had never been even on the MVP ballot. He had been a guy that hit around two, you know, on average about 275, 280 with roughly, you know, 14 home runs, 18 home runs. 1995, he hit 26, which is a career high for him. 1996, he hits 40 home runs. He bats 326, which is a <laughs> high, hitting 130 RBIs. Right. Then he started to decline he was only an all-star one more year after 96 and he was never in the MVP conversation again.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks very similar. Like I'm sure that there has to be some sort of clause built in for that though. Right. Because baseball now is taking, you know, doping and, and the use of steroids pretty, they're using it. They they have it. They hold it in pretty high regard regard. They're, Sure. Suspending players for multiple games, they're suspending players for years, um, and you know I'm sure they have to have something built in there. So if he does somehow come up on some sort of report, there's got to be a way for for you know them to walk away without losing all this money.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm sure I, I'm sure if he's taking, he's you know gonna he can hold it. Top
0: for it, but we'll see. See, you know, you know, another person that got got hit, uh, Ryan Braun, actually got yeah. hit. Yeah. Ryan and Brown. you look at his numbers, and his numbers have always been kind of steady, steady, and then he had a like a rocket here, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, they're saying that he may have started as early, you know, because his power numbers fell off. He was hitting thirty-seven, thirty-two, thirty-three, forty-one, thirty-four home runs. Then he gets, he starts to get suspected of steroids. Now you're at nineteen, twenty-five. So. Yeah, you you start you start looking normal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting. I you know I hate to be that guy, but anymore, Marcus Simeon, I always thought was kind of like a rangy second baseman, shortstop. I, I you know someone that. Had a little bit of pop, like 15 home runs, but I never associated Marcus Simeon with 35, with 45 runs. home runs, right? 33,
0: 45. You, you, that was not. You weren't guessing that.
1: No, not at all. And then for him to be kind of hitting that
0: makes me suspicious a little
1: bit. Sorry, any Marcus Simeon
0: fans. Sorry to Marcus
1: Simeon's family, if you happen to be listening. I apologize, but um, you don't know.
0: be sorry, man. We don't apologize on this show, man. We just speak <laughs> the truth. We tell you what we feel, and you have to just deal with it. It's a dictatorship, not a democracy. Our show, not Marcus Simeon. <laughs> That's
1: true. That's true. You're
0: right. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck the uh, F off, Marcus Simeon. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: uh, there's so a, we pretty
0: yeah. much ran through the entire show with college football and baseball so far.
1: Oh, we still got some time, though. We still got time. Okay. Some- Yes, because uh I added a little extra time in case we needed it today. We don't have to use it, but if we happen to need it, we have it. So uh Ben there's a new there is a new rumor floating out there regarding Ben Simmons. And
0: that he's going broke?
1: Tie, tying him to the Los Angeles Lakers.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Um in a potential three way trade. That involves,
0: um... Russell Westbrook.
1: That involves Sacramento.
0: They're getting Uh, rid of Westbrook, though, right?
1: Westbrook would be heading over to Sacramento. The Lakers would get Ben Simmons, and the 76ers would get Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley.
0: Hey, you know what? If you could recover something for nothing, um do it because Russell Westbrook is pretty much nothing at this point. I hate Here's the way the he's
1: thing. playing. Here's the thing. The Lakers have terrible defense,
0: so Ben Simmons helps there, but he's not
1: going to help their shooting. He's not going to help their shooting. I mean,
0: Russell Westbrook wasn't that great of a shooter to begin with. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know if Ben... See, Ben
0: Simmons can slash the way Russell still slashes, though, you know?
1: He can. And, and he's, he's a, a better, better passer. And he's a much better defender. He's a much better defender than Russell
0: Westbrook. Yeah, I think it's a smart decision for... The Lakers to make uh, that kind of move. Um, I know there was another thing that was floated out there. I heard rumors like early this week, oh sorry, uh, late last week, that um, (laughs) they were looking at uh, again a possibility of doing a swap of contracts, John Wall and Russell Westbrook. Oh, that's dumb.
1: That's
0: not. But John Wall would be a better player for the Lakers than Russell Westbrook. He would. One hundred and ten percent.
1: He would be, but, man, I don't think the Lakers, they're not going anywhere
0: this year. They're just not. Oh, well, LeBron's going to end up – he's not going to have another ring, I don't think, in his career now. You know, I think the bubble year um, this year, these are all, like, transitioning periods where you'll see now a regression in LeBron. But, and the thing
1: is, when he was dominating the East –
0: for so many years. I mean, granted, some of it is injury wise. Let's say that. Let's let's but put that disclaimer in. Some of it is injury related, right? I put that disclaimer in there. Then again, he's also he's not a he's not a, you know, a young spring chicken anymore. He's thirty seven years old.
1: But the thing is, when he was dominating
0: the East, the East was very very weak.
1: Milwaukee wasn't what it was. Was it Miami wasn't what it is without you know after LeBron left. Um, Philadelphia was still in the, in uh, you know, living the process, right? And you really had two teams that constantly
0: competed against LeBron, and that was the
1: Bulls and the Pacers.
0: Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, he, LeBron never got a chance to see a Jimmy Butler heat team, you know, or a full-fledged 76ers team. Or a yeah, like a or, a, or a, now a, a, like a a force, a brute force of, of of nature, like with Giannis and the Bucks. You know, he never had to see those. And had he even, and let's say the the Nets get their shit together at some point, right? He, would have, the, the, he would have to see that. He would have to. I know, I know. But like, let's let's say like they they go like they end up having Kyrie back or having you know someone step up in their absence, right? In his absence another another semi-star or stud or whatever, right? You'll have to see that team too. I don't see his Cleveland team getting past any of those teams, bro. Sorry.
1: No, they wouldn't have. They would have struggled to get past
0: the Atlanta Hawks and the, you know... Correct. Correct. And even the Knicks now, bro. The Knicks yeah. are so well-coached that, and they're so... Uh, they're very disciplined in the way that they play. And they're playing Tom Thibodeau basketball, bro. That's yeah. what they're playing. Um... Bulls are looking nice. Our bulls are looking nice. You know, number two yeah. seed in the East. Bulls are Bulls
1: are looking strong. We'll see if they keep it up. But uh, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, man. And what I kind of keep a small eye on it. But I don't. Uh, I don't really pay attention
0: until really basketball until about February. So I used to. I probably uh, did the same thing too in the past years, because football dominates my day-to-day, you know, between uh, NFL football, fantasy football, and then, you know, everything after that has become secondary. I know you have baseball. You also have um, college football, which you're huge on, right? Um, For me, this year, the only reason why I'm keeping up with basketball is because I'm in a fantasy basketball league. And it forces me to watch some games. It forces me to, to... Pay attention to stat lines and read up and do whatever whatever it is that I have to do. So uh, I think I'm paying a little bit more close attention to basketball this year around, yeah. and, uh, because for that reason only, because I'm in a fantasy basketball league, uh, which is gonna which is going to be like my fantasy like uh, hangover cure when football's over. <laughs>
1: Uh, to me, that's fantasy baseball,
0: which you know starts in March. Oh, that's all—that's like an all-year-round type of game. Man. Yeah, that's great. But it, but that's great. It keeps
1: my bustle or my whistle wet until fantasy football comes back. Uh, breaking news: It is official. Brian Kelly leaving for LSU.
0: There it is.
1: Uh, huge, huge news. Um, so, uh, with that, let's uh, turn to some football now as we uh, wrap up our show on on our biggest topic. Uh, We had a bit of a changing of the guard moment in the AFC. Um, The beatdown, the epic beatdown. Thorough,
0: thorough beatdown, thorough beatdown.
1: The Steelers just getting mollywopped by the (laughs) thing. And I love every minute of it because I hate the Steelers with the unbridled passion. I despise, loathe the Steelers. And Roethlisberger was shocked in this game.
0: Right. Roethlisberger's arm looks like it's a noodle now, man. Yeah. I don't know what they were trying to do in the summertime when they were like, look at Slim Ben. He's walking into camp down 20 pounds. First of all, I didn't see the 20-pound weight loss, number one, and he probably lost 20 pounds in his arm because he can't throw past fucking 11 yards now. (laughs) It's it's terrible. He went from being this big... Bodied big arm quarterback to, like, be a pile of bones, bro. Like, even Phillip Rivers could, could you know, get it going last year. And he had a couple of them. They were doing a lot of dinking and dunking when he was playing. Granted, he didn't have the arm. And same with Drew Brees. He did a bunch of dink and dunk when, when it was over. You got, I got to top my hat off to, to Tom Brady, bro. I literally have to give Tom Brady all the props, all the money, because all these older, older quarterbacks show – so much regression towards the end of their careers. Tom's not showing anything, man. He's still launching at 50 yards, 40 yards. Yeah, It's crazy. Age 40-plus, um, bro.
1: The Bengals' offense looks,
0: looks dangerous. But
1: I, let me tell you something that's interested me. Jamar Chase through week seven looked like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And not so much right now. The last four games, he's had 32 yards, 49 yards, 32
0: yards, 39 yards. Received. Yeah, he's he's coming back down to earth. Like he's coming off like a, and you know what the thing is? Like I I I could see why, I could see why. If you look at the way that they're now game planning for him as a player, it's yeah. tougher. It's tougher for him to get off of some of his releases. Um, whereas <clears throat> you have. Uh, let's look at another rookie receiver that's doing really well, like a Jalen Waddles, for instance. Right? Yeah. Waddles finally coming into his own. He wasn't getting his yards uh, per catch that he was looking for, you know, in the beginning. He was getting twelve, fourteen targets and turning into fifty yards. It was terrible. That too, uh, yeah, that too. That too. But like with that given, now now Waddles kind of breaking out and doing his own thing. So. They're going to game plan for him differently as well, and let's see how, they, how he responds. Chase needs to get a He needs to, I don't know, he needs to work on something, some, something else with Joe. You know,
1: yeah, rookies, they hit a little bit of a wall, all of them, eventually. Sometimes they hit it early. Sometimes they hit it late. I think he'll be okay. The other rookie wide receiver that's been very impressive, but he looks like complete
0: dog crap when, when Zach Wilson's the quarterback, is Elijah Moore. Oh, my God. Elijah Moore looks like a, like a beast. When anyone else but Zach Wilson is thrown to him. Zach, Mike this, White, Joe Flacco, even freaking Joe Flacco, bro.
1: Is this an indictment on Zach Wilson? Is he not good? Because he looks – the Jets offense looks
0: – He looks so mediocre, bro. I'm sorry to say that. And I feel like he might become another Dan Jones experiment, which sucks to say. You
1: know, are we whiffed
0: again? Mac Jones was the pick this year. We whiffed again this year. Yeah.
1: I, I remember around the draft time, I told you I was not sold on Zach Wilson. I was not high on him because he had one really good
0: season at BYU. Yeah, but you also didn't pick Mac Jones either.
1: I didn't pick Mac Jones, but I thought that Mac Jones could still, you know, I, I don't know the quarterback. I was really high on Justin Fields. I was very high on Justin Fields. Mac Jones, though, there was a lot of buzz about. They thought he could go as high as number three or four
0: to San Francisco. Right, San Francisco was was going to take Jones just because Belichick was looking at him. They went Trey Lance.
1: Shanahan wanted Mac Jones. That's who Shanahan wanted. John Lynch won out, and he got Trey Lance. Oh,
0: that's terrible.
1: But but Mac Jones reminded Kyle Shanahan a lot of Matt Ryan. And that's and Matt Ryan, as you know, with Kyle Shanahan as offensive coordinator, went to the Super Bowl MVP. Won an, yeah. yeah, won an MVP. Yeah, almost
0: beat Tom Brady.
1: <laughs> almost beat should have beat Tom Brady.
0: Should have should have.
1: Uh, so we got we had some more uh, big time games uh, in the NFL um, over the weekend. Dallas losing a heartbreaker to Las Vegas in overtime. Yep. Eight game with Tampa and in Indianapolis.
0: Um I had letter for net. I took all, advantage of all four of those touchdowns including the one in, you know, to seal the deal.
1: Um man, it's uh let, let's let's go there. Let's go running back cuz I wanted to ask you a question fantasy football related as as we're sure. wrapping up here we got maybe, you know, a couple more minutes to go. I wanted to ask you for next season. We're kind of seeing a changing in the guard at running back. With guys like Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, um, and a few others, kind of move up to that round one status, and maybe guys like Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Ezekiel Elliott kind of start to fall. If you now, I told you this year when we were doing our preseason fantasy football talk. I told you I was fading Saquon Barkley and that I would not touch him until the fourth round. It, uh, it, it, that if he happened to be, and I knew it wouldn't, I knew it wasn't a, a possibility, but if he had happened to fall to like the third or fourth round, that's when I would consider taking Saquon Barkley. Cause I thought that would be good value for him. Um, I'm kind of on the same page of McCaffrey. Now if McCaffrey's there late in the second round, early third round, I'll take him there. Um, I don't think I'm spending a first round pick on Christian McCaffrey.
0: It's so funny that you, that you say that because um, I was just talking to a buddy of mine and uh, we kind of sort of were talking about the same exact thing. And he's just like, you know, Christian McCaffrey reminds me a lot of, like, Jamal Charles towards the end of his career, where he was supposed to be he, – where he came off the ACL, he did really well, and then had a couple other injuries and kind of faded off. But, like, every year that's phenomenal, but he just couldn't stay healthy. He right. has, like, a career 5.4 YPC over, like, 11 seasons. or something. like it's, it's bananas, and it's not like he wasn't fed either. If you look right. at the number of carries Jamal Charles has gotten in, in a season – he's touched, you know, over 200 carries on multiple occasions. So, and he was always always involved in the receiving game too. So, this oh. and, and and Christian McCaffrey he can't stay healthy for the life of him, man. And I yeah, said man. this. I said this when he got drafted. I was like, "Look, man, I'm sorry to say this. His body is not built for the NFL. I'm sorry to say that." You know, it, it's not as a not for the NFL, sorry, as an NFL running back. It's not yeah. built for an NFL running back. Because they even said it coming out of college that you know, yeah, he he's good, he's great, he's like very gadget type and he can take his game to the next level, but like oh, he's no Najee Harris. He's no um, you know, he's no uh let me give me a he's no Derrick Henry. He's no you know, and Dalvin Cook can't even still, stay healthy. He, even he Dalvin still, Cook can't
1: to Austin Eckler?
0: No, Eckler's a lot smaller, bro. Okay. Eckler's quite a bit smaller, and you know what? I I'm going to fade Eckler next year because Eckler is a complete product of his environment. Like on any other team, his two point C six YPC is going to do him absolutely nothing. His bread, bread and butters is is the receiving game.
1: Well, that's a, but that here's the thing. This is to me, this is where Carolina has Chuba Hubbard now. Okay. And if I'm Carolina, this is how I'm going to use McCaffrey so I keep him all season. The problem is, for Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina Panthers, is they want to give him the ball on the ground 23 times a game, and they also want to throw it to him 8 to 10 times a game.
0: You can't do it. That's not sustainable, bro. That is not sustainable. You you have to choose.
1: And for Austin Eckler, what I've noticed with the Chargers this year, is if he's getting 4.5, 5 yards of carry on the ground – then his passing game
0: is cut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. Yep. They tone down. They tone down wherever he's doing. If he's doing well in the run game, they tone down the receiving. If he's doing well in the receiving, they have toned down his run game,
1: right? Exactly. This past week, he had six.
0: I think he had six catches for
1: 60 yards and a touchdown, but he only carried the ball nine times for 30 yards. So McCaffrey can't keep touching the ball
0: 30-plus times a game.
1: He just can't. See, not-
0: I think I think Carolina should have gone out and bought like a Leonard Fournette when they had the opportunity to. You know, they sh- they should have yeah. and they should have bought uh, uh, a sturdy back that can play week in week out, and you can have that back spell on multiple occasions. Cuba Hubbard should be part of every game plan, regardless if McCaffrey's hurt or not. Is he what heard. I'm saying.
1: He should be getting at least seven to nine carries.
0: Hundred percent, hundred and ten percent.
1: If you give decrease,
0: McCaffrey, a, yeah, decrease his workload, right? If you
1: give McCaffrey fourteen carries a game, right? And then you let him get catch the ball out of the backfield or on screens or whatever. You then your your likelihood of him having a full season is still there. You know. I, I'm 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 almost convinced that if you gave McCaffrey 14 carries a game, he'd still get you 60 to 70 yards. On
0: 110 110 percent. Then
1: it, it throw him the ball, you know, five six times. Let him catch, you know, the ball for like another 40 or 50 yards. You're you're still getting over 100 yards of offense from him, but now you're not asking him to be the
0: entire offense. Right. Correct. Correct. And see, the thing is, like, I, and here, here's my my, my other take, is, is that, you know, if you're going to give him 14 carries, there's going to be opportunities for him to even take those 14 for 80, bro, you know, and a touchdown. Well, and,
1: with uh, Jonathan Taylor this year. I think there was one game he had 17 carries and 130 yards
0: rushing. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. He can rip off. And you know what? Uh, Christian McCaffrey, right, the more snaps he's on the field for, he'll have to pick up blitzes. So he has yeah. to, he'll have to take on linemen and linebackers, you know, double-team like an Aaron Donald if he has to. Or you know what I'm saying? Like there's going to be marquee guys coming across on the defense on the other side. He's going to have to throw his body into that as well. But, spell his workload here. I completely would have to agree at this point. They paid him. They're have. They they're still on the hook for his guaranteed money for quite a bit more. Um, they Every game plan now moving forward with Christian McCaffrey should be like a committee, really, you know. To preserve him.
1: But would you take him in the first round right now? Oh, cause...
0: absolutely not. No way in hell. No way in hell. Uh, and are... and for that matter, Nick Chubb falls off my list too,
1: you know. Let me ask you, is this, is right now the uh,
0: number one
1: overall pick, Jonathan Taylor, or is it still Derrick Henry next year?
0: Oh, it's definitely Jonathan Taylor by a mile, though. And, and Derrick Henry was going to hit it, dude. That's the thing. Derrick Henry was going to hit this wall, bro. It's not sustainable. Look at the number of carries he had the last three years. Yeah, it's just not. Even though he's built like a tank, he, it's not sustainable in the NFL.
1: And, and he and takes his, a
0: beating, bro. This guy takes a beating every game. Nervous too. His Who?
1: injury, uh, Derek Henry's injury, makes me nervous.
0: Oh, it's serious. It's not a. It's not a little itty bitty thing. It's like one of those. You know what? Ha- See, look, another guy, a person who's like. A perfect example. Hey, we should have toned down his workload. David Johnson has one amazing year: 17, 18 touchdowns, receiving yards, rushing yards, the whole nine. tweaks his wrist, tweaks his knee. next year, they're still working him like he was worked the year before. Yeah. And they should not have done that. He, they made it worse. He had two work. good years. He had two good years, and now he's done dude. Okay. I think
1: there's going to be two running backs that were going in the second round that are now first-round picks, Joe Mixon and Jonathan Taylor. Mixon um, was always someone who kind of would give you a mixed bag. He'd give you, like, seven points, eight points, ten points, 11 points. He'd still hit a thousand-yard rushes. He'd Purple offense. Now right. that offense is beast mode. And I think Mixon's going to give you a lot of bang for your buck moving forward. It,
0: it's not, all, not It's not only that, but like for years, that Mixon's always been the hot, a very high volume uh, running back. Again, he's getting a lot of touches. He's seeing a lot of carries. He's touched, you know, that two hundred plateau multiple times, even higher than that, right? I'm sure he even touched three hundred at some point, or close to it. Right? No, did not. He's never been close to three hundred before. Three hundred carries in a season.
1: No. His, well, the closest he ever got was 2019. He had
0: 278 carries. That's damn near 300, dude. Anyways, but that's besides the point. Um, so he, he th- Those carries, he was never able to turn it because you guys had no passing game. The passing game now opens up running lanes for him where they're not stacking the box against him because it was always just Joe Mixon run. And, and you know what? For what they said about Joe Mixon coming out of college, his vision actually sucks. He needs that passing game because all else he's going to turn out Those 22 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown, you know?
1: So, I think, yeah, I think you're going to have to add. I don't think – I'll be honest. I don't think Kamara, I don't think uh, Ezekiel Elliott or Dalvin Cook are dropping out of the first round, but they're definitely not going to be, like, top three or four picks anymore. I I feel like your number one pick is going to be – Probably Jonathan Taylor, number two, might be Derrick Henry, or he might go third. You're probably going to see Joe Mixon in the top five. Uh, but you might actually start to see some wide receivers, because in a PPR league,
0: man, wide receivers P- – PPR is different than standard, though, right? So, in our standard league, the first 12 teams, only one player took a receiver. Yeah. 11 players took running backs. So – um. And the one that took a receiver took a second receiver in, in on the wraparound, and they were a late pick too. So they were like eleven. They were eleven, and on the come around they took Tyre- They had Devontae and Tyreek.
1: Oh, that's that's who our, our number ten pick took this year. He took he took Devonte Adams at ten, and he took Tyreek Hill on the wraparound. So he had Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, and his running backs have really struggled. As his running backs are Josh Jacobs, Daryl Henderson, and uh, I, I don't remember who else is. See, he,
0: see, the, the, this I, I would have told you like his strategy was absolutely flawless, but the guy is self-destructive. So he had um, J, uh, Jimmy Connor, you know, he had uh, he had Elijah Mitchell. He traded all these players away before they hit it. Yeah, he ended up with like Swift who he had drafted, right? He had Swift, and his RB2 was, like, <laughs> he traded for Saquon. <laughs> oh. So, like, yeah, he gave away his team. He had the perfect team. Had he kept Tyreek and the rest of his squad, he drafted Elijah Mitchell, actually. Oh,
1: wow. That's the yeah. farm... I hadn't even heard of Elijah Mitchell until. until...
0: Who's an absolute stud. He's a guy to
1: own. Yeah.
0: Especially with Debo Samuel kind of uh which is he's been stealing a lot of rushing touchdowns away from Elijah, but like Samuel beat uh beat up a bit, I think uh Mitchell's gonna start getting those goal line carries too. Two weeks, yeah. Debo's out for the next two weeks.
1: So I expect a lot of thirty plus carry games for Elijah Mitchell.
0: Hopefully play. if he could if he could stay if he could stay healthy. That's that's the key. not to stay healthy.
1: But uh, all right, folks, that is all the time that we have. We are running out of time here. Uh, any last words for you, uh, Sam, on this Monday
0: night? Um, are you watching the uh, Seahawks game?
1: Uh, no, this game has zero
0: interest in to me. The Seahawks. And it, it's at, just to give you a heads up. It, it, it's it's it sucks. Uh, the Seahawks are winning, 7-3, and the passing touchdown was uh <laughs> to Gerald Everett from Russell oh. Wilson. They're so not even like your your marquee players. No Metcalf, no Lockett.
1: Lockett at least has fifty seven yards rushing. He does. He does. I, I, he I, does. I have a friend in our fantasy football league. He's down he was down fourteen points or sorry, thirteen points going into today and he only had DK Metcalf playing. Right now Approaching halftime, Metcalf doesn't even have a catch yet.
0: So he's got to hope that Metcalf gets it going in the second half. Yo, so let me tell you something crazy. My, just before we wrap up, my win this week in, in fantasy in the standard league, the only reason why I won is because right before the four o'clock games hit, I took out San Francisco defense and I put in Green Bay defense instead. Yeah. And the touchdown, the pick six, the two fumble recoveries. That gave me 14 points, and, bro, like, I I won by three. I would have lost if I played San Francisco D. I would have lost. Well,
1: I won because the team I played against completely didn't show up. McCaffrey, the, he had McCaffrey who went out in the second quarter. He had Waller that went out early. Did you have any Thanksgiving uh, um, players play? I did not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That no, too. I had two. But uh, Lamar Jackson laid an egg against Cleveland. That hurt me. But uh, my running backs of Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor carried me through. So I have the best best running back duo in the league.
0: Nice. It's without question. Eckler and Jonathan Taylor. Oh, my God. Metcalf has nothing. It's the second quarter. No receptions, no yards. All
1: right, folks. Friday with the night. Friday. Uh, it was great being back uh, after the holiday weekend. Uh, I know we have some interviews. We're lining up. We're trying to get some people that come on the show. Uh, now it's the holiday. And uh, now Thanksgiving has kind of passed. Hopefully we get something for Friday. But uh, that's all the time we have. We are out of time. So we will see you later on. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks,
0: Mike. I'll catch you guys. <laughs>